What's up, everyone? Another episode of the Three Things Podcast. Today, I'm with Chad Coy, uh, world's strongest man. He might correct me on that, but in my mind, he's the world's strongest man. Um, very accomplished strength coach, very accomplished strong man, and here to pick his brain on three things. What's going on, Chad? Uh, not much. I mean, it's Thanksgiving morning. You're drinking beer. I'm drinking wine. I mean, how much better can it get? It's 1026 in Central States and 1126 out on the East Coast with you. So this is an awesome way to start a day. Let it be known for everyone listening. Uh, and this is now on iTunes. I just went on iTunes this morning uh, that no holiday can keep strength coaches down. We're just used to working every day. So I appreciate you making the time on Thanksgiving morning uh, to jump on and uh, answer three things. Why don't you just start with uh, just kind of give us a background as to who you are, what you are, where you do it, your kind of history in two minutes or less. Holy shit, in two minutes or less? That's two like, minutes or less. Okay, um, I started strength training in 1980. Uh, the first book I ever read was The Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding by Arnold Schwarzenegger. The first gym I went to was a high-intensity Nautilus Center. Um, I went to Purdue University where I studied exercise science and nutrition um, I also was a strength coach there for about two years and then got kicked out of the real world in 1995, opened my own gym simply because I didn't want to work for other idiots the rest of my life. Not that my boss at that time was an idiot because he was a pretty cool dude. I've worked for some idiots though. Um, uh, not my current boss though. So that's Bill Parisi. He's pretty, pretty straight up guy, a little nut job sometimes and a little crazy, but moving the forward, moving forward uh, tr with uh, the passion of empowering kids. Um, I got into strongman back in 1994 in the off-season of football, and I turned pro in 98. I've been to America's Strongest Man 10 times, placing in the top 10, was the alternate for the United States in 2001 for World's Strongest Man, and then uh, served as the alternate for Masters World's Strongest Man in, in 2012 when Brad Dunn, the athlete who won Amer Masters America's Strongest Man, couldn't go. I was able to go. I placed second in, in 2012, 2013, fifth in 2014, uh, did not make qualify in uh, 15, qualified in 16 and 17, and uh, was ninth and tenth, and I won, I've won three Masters America's Strongest Man titles. So I am not the World's Strongest Man. I've never been to the Open World's Strongest Man. I'm a Masters athlete over the age of 40, still finding a way of getting stuff done. Wow. Um, I that was that's, I think it might have been under a minute. That's, um, that's quite the resume. That's super impressive. And actually brings me to my first question. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this show, so what it is, in case anyone who's listening for the first time, is I've got three things written here on a, on a piece of paper that I'm going to ask Chad. Chad has no clue what I'm about to ask him. So that's why there's a little explicit icon next to this when you download it. Um, these answers are 100% raw, uncandid. I actually don't know how to edit anything. So um, it's, pretty, it's pretty candid, which I think brings a lot of value. But Chad, the first question is, you've obviously just listed your, your training resume and, and said master's athlete over the age of 40. I actually don't even know how old you are. Um, but I am what, 49 years young. 49 years young. Okay. Ooh, it's a lot of, lot of mileage, a lot of squats, a lot of deadlifts. What is the number one thing you found to help you increase your training longevity? Hmm. 
Well, it really, it's really rooted in proper programming. Um, and I think as you train over a long period of time, I think things have to change a little bit. I mean, you know, when you're young, you can, you can kind of experiment and do stuff. You can overtrain, push your body too hard. If you tweak something, it heals really quick. As you age, you've got to be a little smarter. And I would have to say the number one thing I've come to would be auto-regulation. Um, I think what too many people do is they get stuck and fixated in a program and here's my program and I've got to do it. And today calls for this. And, you know, but you, you know, you didn't sleep well that night before you had a bunch of meetings, you missed a meal, you know, you got in a fight with your girlfriend, your wife, the dog shit on the floor or something. And you're just really off. Um, you've got to be able to auto regulate because not every workout is going to be one that you plan. And I think as I've aged, I've realized that, you know, I've got a pretty good template. You know, I do a lot of dynamic effort, max effort, circa max, repetitions, you know, restorative stuff. But, you know, if I get to the gym that day and it's supposed to be a heavy day and I just feel like shit, well, I'm not going to do a heavy workout that day. It's just not in the cards. And that's where I think as we age or as you age as a strength coach, even with your athletes, when you come in and your athletes just not having a good day because, you know, nine times out of ten, look at the kids or the athletes we train. We don't know their their, their, their stress of their life. We don't know their nutritional status. We don't know their sleep status. And then they get to the gym and we've got to make a call on the spot to make a productive workout. Because not every workout is going to be super. It's going to be productive. And I'll be honest with you, I think probably over, over probably two thirds of your workout are just punching the clock. But where are champions made? They're made when the work has to get done, but you might not have the best in the tank. You know, but what you've got to learn to do is auto-regulate and give whatever you've got that day. Hopefully that answers that question. That's awesome. No, I think, um, I mean, the biggest quote you just said there that I'm definitely going to steal is champions are made when the work has to get done. And I think a lot of times people paint this picture that every workout has to be perfect. And if it's not going to be perfect, don't even bother going to the gym. But sometimes you got to punch the clock. Sometimes you just got to get the work in. And like you said, be productive. And look at the big picture. That you know, was a perfect it could, answer. It, it could be just when you get to the gym and you're just feeling off that you just work on technique. I mean, because honestly, the old the old saying, I mean, we always we say it a lot. I use it a lot. Technique determines success. Um, that is true. That's a Steve Leo. But I remember training early on and back in the 90s. And I was, you know, Ed Cohn once said something to me. It's like, you know, you're going to squat lightweights like they're heavy, heavyweights like they're light. Your technique never changes. And, you know, what? what's funny is I was training with one of my partners, and he's, like, watching my, over six months. He's watching my tech, squat technique. He goes, dude, every time you squat, it's, like, the same rep. You know, I, I did a bunch of videos for T Nation that was a speed, speed pulls. And, like, I spliced them together. It's like, you just spliced the same deadlift together ten times. Like, no, it was ten different deadlifts. But they should look exactly the same. You know, it's, it's the same as, like, when we're coaching kids to be faster. I mean, your acceleration should look like acceleration every time. It shouldn't change. So as you start to, I think as coaches, if it's not a super, you know, it's not the ass-busting day, you can still get a lot of work done by just working that technique. Yeah, that's awesome. That's perfect. That was a great answer, um, which actually conveniently segues into question number two here. Um, I mean, you, you're a very accomplished strong man. Um, whether I think you might admit that or not, I'm not sure, but uh, you're a very accomplished strong man. You're a Parisi master trainer as well, uh, working with 
coaches as well as coaching young athletes. What similarities do you, have you found, whether you know, be as a strong man or working in strong man, um, what similarities have you found between strong man and coaching and working with youth athletes? You're just working with athletes. I, I really think it comes down to whether you're a seven-year-old or you're, I, you know, I have, right now I've trained seven-year-olds and I've got a 70-year-old. You know, they all want to make progress. They all want to get better. And you know what? Here's the template. And the one thing I can honestly say that regardless of age, gender, um, athletic ability, work has to come before success. So you've got to go put the work in. So many people want this. We're in this society that is, it's just a microwave away. I mean, I'm looking at my microwave. It's a microwave away. I want it right now. You know, things don't happen overnight. It's, it's called you, you have to be consistent. You know, so whether you're training adults or strongman, you know, or in my own training or in when I'm working with other athletes or, or coaching coaches, you have to be consistent and then you have to be disciplined enough to content to apply the knowledge you have. And then you've got to be patient in the process. If you're not patient in that process, it just won't happen. It doesn't happen overnight. Everyone wants it to happen overnight. So whether it's a young athlete or old athlete, a strongman or a football player, volleyball players, basketball player, whatever, you know, they've got to understand that there's a process and the process starts w with putting in the work. And I think that when you start to learn, um, you know, here's my trade as a strongman. Well, I've got to be strong. And then I've got to practice the skills of the event. Well, if I want to be a better football player, a, I got to get strong. B I've got to move. I've got to learn to move, and I've got to do that year-round. Too many athletes, it's, it's their preseason, they get ready for their season, then they, it's, it's the season, then it's off-season, it's off-season, they don't do anything skills that are related to movement. You know, the proverbial football coach brings the kids in the weight room, it's like, let's get big and jacked, you know, so they, and drink a gallon of milk a day because I want you to gain weight. Well, the kid comes back, he's stronger, but he's put on 30 pounds of non-functional mass, now he's just fat and he can't freaking move. You know, and that's, that's, whether it's, that's whether it's the football field or, or you know, I see it with, with everything. You know, you, I've got volleyball girls that I'm training that, you know, these girls are, uh, they, they, they train the skill of volleyball year-round, but they can't jump 12 inches. Well, they can't jump 12 inches because they're weak. So they've got to put that time in to get strong in order to be, A, less susceptible to getting hurt, and B, perform better in their sport. So I think... If I look at whether it's kids or, or adults or strength athletes, what are you training for specifically? So you need to look at training specificity for, for the sport, but then you also have to look overall, what, is your, what are you doing for GPP? What are you doing for foundational training? Because no matter, you can't get specific without a foundation. You know, it's like, what's that old saying? You know, it's like, you know, where did you build your house? Did you build it on sand or did you build it on rock? You know, if, you, if you're getting very specific right off the bat, that's where I see the downfall is in a lot of sports or, or a lot of athletes. I had an athlete that I trained this last year that all he ever wanted to do was train um, events. I want to train events. I'm going to train events all the time. I'm going to get really good events. You know, his problem was he was weak. And last I checked, he was a strong man. He was a great event athlete, but he, but he was weak. As he's gotten stronger, he's became a better, a better strong man because he's actually strong. You know, and a lot of kids want to go play baseball. I want to play baseball year-round. I want to play volleyball year-round. I want to play soccer year-round. But you know what? The reason they're not better at their sports is because they don't have a foundation. So you got to train that foundation first. got to train that general physical preparedness before you get to specific. 
So if there was a crossover between youth athletics and strongman or whatever your sport is, lay the foundation first, then get specific. I hope uh, anyone who is listening right now, do me a favor, go back about two minutes and re-listen to everything Chad just said. Um, because, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, I've got a notepad in front of me, and I, I'm just waiting to go back, re-listen to this, and write down all the little nuggets you just said. Because, I, I mean, I, I can't agree more. I think that everything you just said in there is unreal advice for a coach at any level, profession, duration in this field. I mean, just, you know, I was at a, a seminar this past weekend, and we were talking about how important the basics are and laying the foundation. And, and you reiterated a lot of those points where it's just important to have a foundation to build a house on and, and get specific from there, um, regardless of age. That was awesome. You, you know, I mean, it's funny. It's like the, the one lady, her name's Kathy Hamilton. Kathy came to me. She's been doing Strongman for a while, and she's older. Um, and you know what? She came to me about 18 months ago because, you know what? By my 70th birthday, I want to lose 70 pounds. So I started working with her nutrition, got her with a nutrition coach. She's been training. You know, now she's under, she's down to like 190. I won't say on the air how much she weighed because she kicked my ass. Um, because that's just, that's the way Kathy is. She's 70 years old and she just doesn't give a shit. She'll tell you the way it is. She'll, she'll order it up. But I'll tell you what, she's stronger now. She's having more fun now. She is 70 year old. With, a, with bilateral knee replacements, and she can pull, she deadlifts 225. She yoke walks, farmers walks, does everything. But you know what it came down to? What she had to redo was learn the foundation. So now she's getting stronger, which then makes her better as, as a strength athlete, which, like, what she'll tell you, I'm just a better person because I'm in better shape. Yeah. She's making better choices. So it's just, it all comes where, wherever you're at. Uh, and I think about something that just struck me when we were talking. Um, I did a the the strength for speeds podcast with bill crazy this week and it really comes down to i think a lot of coaches when they're training youth athletes have to remember that sprinting is strength training okay sprinting is strength training and you need to put them and if you want to get faster you gotta sprint i don't care how much mechanics we do you've got to put the effort into sprinting i'm not dissuading getting strong trust me i'm a strength guy I'd rather go in the gym and get strong. Fuck running. I hate running. I hate, I, I hate it with a passion. But if I want to be a better athlete, if I want to, for me as, to be a strong man, it's not like I don't still sprint. I just don't sprint very far. You know, I, I do, still do change direction. I still train all those modalities. Why? Because it makes me a, it, it develops my foundation, gives me GPP. I've still got to be able to, and I've got to be able to coach it. I can't coach it if I can't do it. And a lot of older coaches quit doing shit because well, I'm old. Well, quit being a pussy about it and get your ass back in the gym and train. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. Too many people, they, they get complacent. I'm not complacent. You know what? I'm 49 years old. I've been trained for 37 years. I still love what I do on a daily basis. I still love the process. I will always love the process. And you know what? How much farther can I milk my body out? I don't know. If I continue to work my body, why can't I take this athlete who's been trained for five or six or eight years? I mean, it's like we watched uh, Coach Path at the, at the summit, and Dan was a – I think he was so phenomenal because he can look at what an athlete's moving and then break it down. God, I want to be able to do that. You know, so I've really put a lot more time into video on my athletes, looking what's going on in those kinetic chains, and how do I fix that? That's awesome. So as a coach, I'm going back to foundation. 
I got to go back to foundation. I got to be a better foundational coach. I don't need to get super specific. I need to be able to do the little shit right on a daily basis. Yeah, there it is. That's the quote right there. Being able to do the little shit right on a daily basis. Um, last question, Chad, and this is going to kind of, kind of, I, I don't know. I don't say it segues a little bit away from what we've been talking about, but I want to pick your brain a little bit here as an educator. Um, and we were just talking before we pushed the record button about how you were doing a, a Parisi certification um, last weekend. How does your mentality change or communication style or whatever it might be? And again, interpret this question however you want to. Um, but coaching coaches versus coaching athletes, what have you found to be the biggest difference, if any, or similarities between coaching coaches, coaching other educators, coaching others in your profession versus coaching even, I mean, kids or athletes of strength or whatever it might be? So you want the similarities or the differences? Both, either, doesn't matter. Um, you know, I mean, I think coaches are – here's the thing. I think athletes don't give a shit about the training, about what they're doing, as long as it works. I think the coaches, on the other hand, need to know why, why you do it and why it works. So then they can actually disseminate that information to their athletes. I think too many coaches get out there and they go through training, and it's, to them it's just dogma. And you, I don't know. You're, are you too young to remember the movie Dogma? Uh, I know what dogma means, but I didn't know it was a movie. Oh, man. You got to go watch it. It's a Matt Damon movie with Ben Affleck. It's about, like, your perceptions of God, and we think God's this old man. It was actually Alanis Morissette was God in the movie, and it was just really – it's the dogma of we, we as coaches think, well, you've got to squat to parallel. Everyone's got to squat to parallel. Everyone's got to squat ass to grass. No, they don't. Every athlete has an optimal range of motion, you know. But I think when you when you look at that, we got to get outside the dogma. And I think too many coaches start to whether it's whether they're strength coaches, whether they're speed coaches, whether they're Olympic coach, or they fucking drank the CrossFit Kool Aid. And CrossFit's the only fucking way to train. Okay, everyone gets stuck in this dogma, and they forget they can learn shit from other avenues. You know what? I think that. I mean, coming, you and I went to the summit and just listening to Dan Path and watching Dan Path, I couldn't watch that enough times. I think there's a nugget every time I watch it. Why? Because he looks at it from a different vantage point than I can. And I think what ends up happening is I get, it, it, we all get dogmatic in what we like. I mean, if we went to the gym and did what we like to do, I mean, how much progress are we really going to make? Because no one's going to go do correctives because correctives suck. I don't want to do correctives. I want to go get jacked. I want to squat and bench dead and chin up. You know, great. But you know what? My shoulders are all fucked up. So I got to go do my corrective exercises to fix my shoulders. You know, you know, I've got these strains. You know, I, I don't move well. You know, why don't you run well? Because you don't fucking run. You know, so I think what we need to do is, as coaches, when you're coaching coaches, I don't think you just need to dogmatically disseminate the information. I think you need to explain to them why we do this. And it's tough when we go on site, when, when we go on site and do trainings, you know, you've got, here's the information. You've got to cover it. You've got to cover this in a set period of time. You've got 20 hours over a weekend to certify these coaches in order to go out and teach youth performance training, you know, or if you go to the, you know, if you're at a, whatever certification, it doesn't even matter where you're at. 
those instructors have only so much time. And I think they get so dogmatic in like getting through, well, well, we got to do A, B, C, and D. And let's get that done. But not then teaching the coaches why they're doing it. Because then when the te coaches go back to coaching, you know, when, when those coaches went back on Monday morning, I wanted them to be able to explain to the athletes, we're doing acceleration. Here's the definition of acceleration. Here's the focal points. But they have to understand why. Why is 45 degrees the optimal angle acceleration? Why do I need to keep my hips in? Why do I pull my toe up? Why do I drive my knee forward? Why do I need to maintain a positive angle? Why do I need to have proper arm action? You know, whether it's that coaching those coaches or I'm teaching someone to squat. Why am I teaching you to brace your core? Why am I teaching you to pull the bar down in your back? Why am I teaching you to sit back? Why am I teaching you to spread the floor of your feet? You know, once they start to understand why, then when they're actually doing it, it's like, it's funny because when they actually get it, like, holy shit, that's why I do it. Because that rep just felt fucking perfect. You know, and then they can then disseminate that information to their athletes. I think it's, I think a lot of times, like, I've trained enough athletes to know that the athlete really doesn't give a rat's ass why they are doing anything. But did I get better? So the difference between a coach and an athlete is really the mindset. The coach needs to be – the coach is the teacher. And if you're truly going to teach something, you need to understand the whys. Too many of us have gone through our educations and learned how to do something, but not why the fuck we're doing it. You know? I mean, simple, something simple. Your checkbook. Why do you write the – you take your checkbook and you – now this is old school because you're young enough. You probably don't even use a checkbook. You just go, <laughs> but you use a checkbook. You write the fucking check now when you wrote it, who you wrote it to, how much it was for, here was your beginning balance, subtract it out, and you just do it, okay? But why do you do that? So you can keep track of your money. How many kids don't – the people don't take track of their money? They don't know where their money's going. They don't know where it's at. Same thing with a coach. Here's the program. Well, why am I doing this? You know, some people want to use percentages. Some people want to use rate of, for, rate of perceived exertion. Why are you doing it? You know, now one, number one, the coach should know, but I like to tell my – I prefer to tell my athletes while they're doing it. You want to know why? Because where do the best coaches come from? They're your athletes. The best coach in the damn session is, should be you. The second best should be one of your athletes that you've had a lot of time in. You know, so I look at this. I mean, for me – I've done this for a long time. I've got three athletes that became coaches, okay, of mine over the last three decades. And then I and we've spawned 14 different facilities. Why do we spawn 14 different facilities out of the athletes I train and the coaches I train? Because they understood why they were doing it. Now the why is, you know, everyone's got a different why. I mean, I look at what's my why? You know what? My family was uneducated. No one went to college. Um, I didn't know anything about training. I was hungry enough to pick up books. So I read anything and everything I could on, unfortunately, bodybuilding when I was a teenager. As I started to actually learn about performance training, I learned one thing that, you know, training as a bodybuilder, I mean, if your purpose is just to get jacked and look good in your underwear, great, be a bodybuilder. If your purpose is to be an athlete, we train movement patterns. And I think what coaches don't understand is that they think going to the weight room, well, number one, going to the weight room, you're just going to get jacked anyways, okay, and you're going to get strong. Well, there's a purpose for everything you do in the weight room. There's a purpose for everything you do in a warm-up. There's a purpose for everything you do in restoration, you know, and by teaching your athletes and coaches 
why, then they have a better understanding and then they can actually grow um, as an athlete and or a coach. I think the biggest thing we can do as coaches is to, is, is to teach people how to learn, not just disseminate the information so they it's fucking programmed in their head, but why do I do what I do? I think once the coaches and or the athletes know that, they start to make better progress. I love it because, you know, I've been coaching for a long time, and I remember teaching, you know, you're teaching kids in football. And I, granted, I was a football coach, so I'm teaching kids in football. Here's why we do – here's the warm-up. We do side shuffles and side runs, and we want to keep our hips square, feet square, shoulders square, so they're – because it's a tracking drill. You know, and then, like, I had a linebacker, so I'm also teaching keys. And, you know, you're teaching, here's what the, when the guard does this, this is what you're going to do. If he fires straight out, you, you, you meet him and nullify his block. If he comes at an angle, well, he's trying to cut you off from where the ball's going. So it was funny because I had a kid, and his name was, uh, I can't remember his name. Last name's Stout. I trained all the boys, and there's like three of them. I can't remember. Max. His name's Max Stout. So Max, it was like the last season, it was the last practice season. And he finally, he gets there, he, 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 reads his key, he takes a side run step, opens up and comes downhill on it, extends his right arm, sheds the, the guard, makes the head a yard deep in the backfield. He goes, coach, I get it. He goes, if I read my key and I take the right step, he goes, I can actually make the play behind the line of scrimmage. I can do it every time. Because he finally, after 14 weeks of pounding his head, he got it. When we get our athletes, that's all we've got to do. We've got to take the time to teach them why we do it. When we, when we coach coaches, we've got to teach them the thing, same thing. Why are we doing this? So they disseminate that information. And then it has to be, I mean, if you, I'm getting a little fired up. Maybe it's the wine because I didn't eat breakfast. <laughs> you know? But when you're thinking about it, it's like if you come out and teach with passion. I mean, oh, I've seen shitty coaches teach with passion and get results because they were passionate. So when you're talking to these coaches, if we're – coaching coaches we're coaching athletes we've got to disseminate good information and you got to do it passionately so the kids or the athletes themselves they buy in i mean think of we can we can sit here and talk about all the programs in the world i mean coaches that get total buy-in from their athlete but you know what some coaches have great program i mean you're up in the you're up in the the, the patriot bill man look, look at the patriots bill belichick you know most people think that guy's a fucking asshole you know, maybe he is an asshole. I don't care. But, you know, I'll tell you what. Everybody buys into his program, and look what they've done. I mean, that's pretty wicked shit they've done. You know, so you look at the best coaches. What are they getting from their coaches and their athletes? They're getting buy-in. You know, if you look at West Side Barbell, how many elite-level powers has Louis Simmons created? A lot. Or, yeah. Or now you're looking at other places. You're looking at other people. You're looking at uh, – Chad Wesley Smith out on the West Coast with Juggernaut. Um, you look at, uh, at Chris Duffin with Kabuki. You know, you look at those athletes. What are their, they've got great science, but then they've got, they're teaching you why, and then they're getting great buy-in. I mean, people ask, what have you done? It's like, well, for my gym, we've produced 11 pros. You know, or the people I've trained, we've produced 11 pros. Who else has produced 11 pros? You know, because I want my people to understand why the hell they're doing it. When you pick up a yoke, just don't pick up the yoke and run with it. You're picking up the yoke, you're driving your elbows up, your head's back, you're, you're pulling the bar into your body and shoving it forward at the same time while you're bracing your core into your belts and you're trying to keep your hips as tight as possible and shuffling your feet. 
You know, most people just get in and run it. And it's like, they don't even know why, you know, when you start to get your athletes to know why, what ends up happening is their performance gets better because now they start to get it because they can start to, not only they hear it verbally, they can hear it, they, they can see it, but then now they start to have kinesthetic awareness of their body. So hopefully that was a long-winded version of the answer to your question. No, that's exactly, I mean, I mean, people ask why I ask questions like this and, and kind of like leaving it candid gives answers like that. And I mean, I think that, I mean, the whole, I mean, that's the three things right there, but I think those kind of answers are, are one passionate two, you know, raw, unscripted. There's no bullshit there. And that's why I think people listen into this podcast. And hopefully that, that kind of just right there explains why this is the format it is. Chad, where can people find more about you? What are you up to? What are you doing? If people want more Chad Coy, more information about you, where do they find it? Well, right now I'm kind of, uh, kind of a loose cannon per se. So I'm, I'm actually a master coach for Parisi and I'll be still working on that. And I'm actually searching around for my next adventure along the way. I've decided that, you know, because I've worked for myself and then I worked for other people and I've decided that working for myself, I'm a much cooler boss. I'm kind of a prick sometimes, but you know, I'm much cooler than most bosses. So I'm going to start my own business called strength captain. Um, I already purchased the website. It was going to be strength master playing off the old man. Um, but that website was like $3,000 and I have this, uh, desi- I, I like captain America. So I just strength captain was open. So I bought it. And, you know, I'm working on that, working on doing some writing. I write for T Nation, a few other places, do some podcasts, um, you know, and I'm looking for, you know, my next, the four walls that I'll be working within here will be figured out soon. Um, but in the meantime, you know, just hit me up on Instagram or, or Facebook. Uh, I'm not real original. It's just under my name. It's just Chad Coy um, because I'm, I'm not really witty that way. So other than that. I do a lot of online coaching, so you know, just hit me up through one of those modems, and we'll get hooked up, and I'll, I'll, I'll coach you up and make you the best athlete I possibly can. That's awesome. I look forward to uh, the birth of Strength Captain and um, all of the, the good resources you'll be putting out through that. It should be fun. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you taking the time on Thanksgiving morning to jump on. Um, those are my three things and I look forward, I'm sure this is not going to be our last conversation. So I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Sounds good.